Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Full of frustration. Full of despair. From years of hurt, disappointment, and relegation. Two British football fans have had enough. Canary Bird Elliot Holman and Wanderer Henry Hewitt are in search of glory, pride, passion, in search of silverware. And they found Major League Soccer. Welcome to a special episode of the MLS UK show. I'm Elliot Holman. And I'm Henry Hewitt. Uh, yes, this is going out while you're on your honeymoon, so I hope it's all going well. Mm, I'm not actually here. This is a figment of your imagination. It's like when they did, uh, I think doing ABBA at the moment, they did Kanye, didn't they? You know, the hologram. Yeah. Not, not Kanye. Who Gor- was it? Gorillas. They did it. Yeah, Kanye's a real, a real person alive. Michael Jackson, maybe. I don't Tupac. Know. Tupac, yeah, yeah. So it's like that. So you're a hologram. So uh, I'm not dead. <laughs> no, you're just in Bali. Um, yeah, so welcome to this special edition of the MLS UK show. Uh, while you're away, we are speaking to uh, people, MLS people, um, and uh, then you'll come back and your grand return and we'll talk about MLS again uh, as what is happening in the present day. Uh, but this episode is very exciting and we're going to be joined by Danny Higginbottom. Uh, someone who, strangely enough, never played in MLS, so he, he couldn't qualify for the game with a changing name. <laughs> uh, however, he has now gone over to the States and is uh, a summariser on TV. He watches Philadelphia Union as well as uh, other MLS matches, and he comments uh, commentates on the EPL matches as well. So he's keeping very busy. Um, so recently, I caught up with him and we spoke about MLS. And I've got to say... I don't know why I thought this before speaking to him. And it's probably because when we speak to our friends and people in the UK, there's a lot of people that know about MLS, but there's a lot of people that don't. We know the teams and we know what it is, but we don't necessarily watch it. So we're constantly having to kind of explain things to people. So when I was speaking to Danny, a, a fellow Mancunian like myself, you're hearing that accent, but then he's talking so fluently and so... Um, you know, like he's he's so knowledgeable about MLS, and it kind of took me aback a little bit because <laughs> I thought, oh right, this is actually a conversation for the podcast now. So um, yeah, it, w- as I said on the last uh, episode, we, I, you know, I, I, you just assume you've got twenty minutes with people. That's it. No, Danny gave us over an hour, so it's going to split into two parts. Um, so yeah, I'm excited to bring this to you. 
I you you've talked so passionately about this chat with Danny Higginbottom. Like I'm I'm excited that I'm about to see it as well. And if that's not enough, we've also got, as well as part one of our chat with Danny Higginbottom, we're going to be speaking to Chris Smith as well. He was on our first episode of this series. Another man who is extremely knowledgeable about MLS. He's recently been on TalkSport here in the UK and Arsenal Fan TV as well, talking about Matt Turner. But um, yeah, we're going to be talking to him after the interview because uh, you may remember he went out to Charlotte to watch the first game against LA Galaxy. Well, uh, the video of it was a part of making the documentaries now out. So we're going to talk to him about that and other matters in MLS as well. Yeah, he definitely knows his stuff. So this is a good bumper episode, this is. The MLS UK Show. Now, before we hear from Danny Higginbottom, I just want to say a massive thank you to our sponsors, Soccer90.com. As always, they are the best place to get all the jerseys ahead of the new European seasons, especially from the Premier League, La Liga and Serie A too. Uh, you also do MLS gear, and also, if that's not enough, you do some retro stuff from Dallas Burn too. When you're on the website, Soccer90.com, if you get your jerseys you want, go to the checkout, and while you're there, in the discount code, type in MLSUK, you get an extra 20% off, courtesy of ourselves and Soccer90.com. Once again, thanks so much for their continued support. It's well worth doing. Now let's hear from Danny Higginbottom. Elliot Holman, Henry Hewitt. MLS UK show. Joining me now on the MLS UK show is a man who, despite never playing in MLS, is quickly becoming an MLS UK legend. Welcome to the show, Danny Higginbottom. How are you, Danny? I'm very well, thank you. Thanks for having me on the show as well. Looking forward to uh, to getting going with it and see what's ahead. Yeah, well, uh, first of all, I'm delighted you're on the show just because I've got another mank on the show now. There's two of us, <laughs> which where we've got Elliot, who's from Norwich. He's uh, He doesn't like being in the room with too many Northerners, so... Yeah, I'm. I'm glad that you're on. Just for just for your MLS knowledge and that as well. Oh, it's nice. It's nice to hear a familiar accent as well. Haven't <laughs> haven't heard it for a while. Yeah, you've not quite lost yours yet. Uh, have you? No chance. A, any words that are, are creeping into a bit of an American accent? No, definitely not. It's like some of the games you'll do MLS games and like in 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 the different commentators that you work with and. Like I work with JP and he's obviously a, a legend over in America and they'll have different, they'll have different play uh, phases for different positions on the pitch. Like your fullbacks to call the outside backs and, and what have you, but no, it's, I'll, I'll continue to do it, to do it the way, the way that I've always done it is in terms of the positional play and things like that. And I don't think anybody, anybody gets offended by that. You know, that's, that's my my natural sense, so to speak. Whereas in America, it is different with with how people will say things, but you want to keep that natural side of it. Yeah, well, I heard you at the weekend in the uh, Hudson River Derby. Um, you know, we're recording this just after the second instalment of Rivalry Week, and uh, it was a very busy few days for you, for you. We messaged you last week, and you were like, "Well, can you give me a week because I'm flying off all over the place?" Have you got used to the travel yet? Have you got used to because uh, I'm guessing when you were working in the UK on uh, like Sky Sports or TalkSport or whatever, um, you might have to go a hundred, a uh, couple of hundred miles, but that's it. That's the longest distance here. It's not even a couple of hundred miles to the next state. Have you got used to that yet? Yeah, ev- everything like that I've been used to. You know, with with Philadelphia Union, obviously a lot of the times the, the away games, you you don't actually go to the stadium. You know, you, you're doing it from Philadelphia and, and obviously I understand that and what have you. So it's not been... 
it's not been too much of a problem. If if anything, you know, you enjoy going to these new places. I went to Atlanta last season, the stadium, magnificent. It was my first visit to Red Bull, Red Bull Arena, um, you know, last weekend. Another magnificent stadium was at DC United a few weeks prior to that. So for me, it's it's great. And then having the opportunity to speak to, to, speak to all different managers as well. I think that's that's been a really good thing for me because obviously in any country managers see things see things differently. The individual managers, you know, what they believe is their philosophy and their identity, and that's just that's just great to hear as well. So no, it's been it's been an absolute pleasure, you know, covering covering the league and learning so much on a consistent basis. Yeah, well, I mean, we've obviously seen Jesse Marsh come over from the states to uh, the UK with Leeds at the moment, and I mean, he's someone who even on your your you know, your downest day can cheer you up with his positivity. Have you found that that's uh, the same with the majority of managers in MLS or, or is the differences, how would you compare them to what you've been used to in the UK? No, I think obviously the, because there's not relegation, you know, that that can take a, a slight sense of pressure off, which, you know, when, when I first moved over to America, I was like, okay, well, you know, how, how's this going to play out? Because that's all I've been used to, you know, throughout my life, you know, supporting teams, playing for teams and and what have you, and then moving on. But then the playoffs come around and, you know, most teams have got something to play for going into the last month of the season. So it then brings that excitement. I think what it does, it enables managers to, to have more time more often than not to get their message across because, it doesn't just happen overnight. You know, a manager doesn't just come into a club and all of a sudden waves his magic wand and everything's going to be okay. And we, we see it in Europe because of the pressures on us in terms of the relegation or promotion, you know, play uh, managers get less time. Whereas over here, there's, there's managers where, okay, they're having not the greatest set of results, but because they're able to be given time, then they can turn things around and then things start to go well. So I think that's, that's a positive as in terms of that. So then when you speak to managers, they're, they're really open. And it's good because one of the things that I find really good over here is that the sport is growing all the time. And I think there's an understanding from people in the media. I think there's an understanding from players. I think there's an understanding from managers that the closer everybody can work together and the more that everybody can help each other, then, you know, that's that's going to give the league the biggest opportunity to grow. So I found any manager that I've spoken to has just been really open and, and, and been honest and truthful about everything. Like Phil Neville, I spoke to him last week before Philadelphia Union played into Miami and he was brilliant. He was waxing lyrical about the league, about everything. And it was, it was brilliant. And we all know Phil Neville as a footballer in England, what he achieved in the game, the clubs he played for. And, you know, when, when someone like that comes over to MLS and the way he's embraced it and the fact of how much he's enjoying it as well, you know, it's, it's great to see him. And like I've said, I've said it on numerous occasions now, really, since I've been here, the potential for growth in the league, in the country, obviously the World Cup in 2026, there is so much room for growth and the potential is absolutely massive within the league and the country. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, this is what we're finding on the podcast is that, you know, we're two British guys who are talking about the league and uh, we've been so humbled by the respect that we, we are getting Sometimes respect. Sometimes people can pick up and say, you know, that's a bit of a daft thing what you've just said. Um, you know, whether it be about how a team's doing or, or whatever. But yeah, I think the 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 league is getting that more respect, and I think we've seen it recently in the the UK with Rooney going over and now Bale as well. Is that suddenly you get in on these, uh, you know, like talk radio stations or or TV shows that have normally been 
sort of looking at MLS and and not laughing, but kind of looking and uh, with you know down the noses at it. Suddenly, it's getting a bit of respect. Have, have you found that as as well? With because uh, I'm guessing you just spoke to a lot of people back home in recent weeks about what the the news stories that have been going on. Yeah, I think it's huge. You look at this summer so far. Obviously, you know, Rooney coming back over, he did unbelievably well at DC United as a player. Then you've got Chiellini coming over, you've got Gareth Bale. That's only going to do, that's only going to do the world of good for the league. But I think what you can't forget as well is that, you know, you look now in Europe and there's players that were previously in MLS, younger players, that are now going to big clubs. You know, Brendan Aronson, all of a sudden, he's at Leeds United with Jesse Marsh, who used to manage in, in, uh, in MLS as well. So... I think the more that that can happen, I think the fact that a lot of younger players are going to Europe, having established themselves first and foremost in MLS, then going over to Europe and having success, that's only going to help things as well. Because all of a sudden, people are like, what What you'll start to see is that, okay, well, MLS is, is a great league, but it's not just that. You're seeing future European stars developing that league and you're starting to see them coming through at an early age. You know, you look at, you look at Philadelphia Union at the moment, the players that are coming through there, you know, the likes of Paxton Aronson, Brennan's brother, you know, you've got, you've got Jack McGlynn, you've got Quinn Sullivan, you know, you've got players like that that are coming through now. And all of a sudden, what I think you're going to get is viewership from, from other, other parts of the world going, okay, well, let's see the younger players. And you feel as though you have a real attachment to them. If you see them when they're younger and then you see them develop and then move clubs as well, and maybe head into Europe. So there's so much combining at the moment that's positive for the league. You know, obviously, like you say, with Gareth Bale and, and Chiellini, um, it, it's it, it's unbelievable to see. And with Gareth Bale, you know, he's still got so much to offer. And, you know, it's, it isn't a league now where, it's not a league in, in my mind now where, you know, it used to be, it used to be considered somewhere where, a lot of players coming towards the end of the career could go over and, you know, have that lifestyle and, and, and things like that with the football. It's not like that anymore. It's gone beyond that. If you come over here and you think that it's just going to be easy, that's not going to happen. And I think that's an understanding from players because a lot of players have come over from Europe, former, former players from England as well have come over and have had great success. And they talk glowingly about it as well, which is a massive thing as well for, for anybody who's looking to come in the future. So when you went over, um, you know, I know you're married to an American, so you would have, uh, you know, at least been aware of MLS. Mm. But was there anyone that you spoke to beforehand, um, you know, asking for advice about it? And secondly, since you've moved over then, you talk so glowingly about it there. Has your opinion changed from what it was when you first uh, arrived? I think when I first arrived, it wasn't because what I did before I joined Philadelphia Union, I was watching, I watched all their games for a year. So I understood what the league was all about because obviously Philadelphia Union, you know, playing all the teams in the East, playing the teams in the West at the time. So I wasn't coming in, you know, blind. It wasn't like, oh, I'm just going to come in and then just see how it works out. So I made sure that I did all my homework on that side of things. So I already had an understanding of the league and, and some of the players within the league as well. And in terms of speaking to people about it, I wouldn't say that, I wouldn't say that that I did that. You know, I didn't go. I didn't go to anybody for clarification. Or is this a good move? When the opportunity came came around, it was for me. It was a no brainer. You know, I've I loved doing what I did. Exactly the same thing in England. It was great, but I just had an opportunity to do this, and it was something different. Something that that I looked at and thought, you know, can I be part of the growth 
of the league? Can I help to can I help to make the league bigger? Can I help, you know, to maybe bring more people into into the game that want to watch it as well? So it was always that it was an excitement for me of this. Okay, can I be part of this? You know, something something that's hopefully going to get traction and get bigger and bigger and bigger. And so it wasn't a case of really speaking to anybody about it. It was obviously, like I say, watching games before I came here. I already had an understanding, in particular, of Philadelphia Union. But I just, I just couldn't wait to get going as soon as I got in. It's been so enjoyable. So uh, when you came over. Uh, was there any players in particular, not necessarily just for Philadelphia, but for any other MLS teams that you were like, I'm so excited to see them, or are any uh, teams other than Philadelphia that you were you were very excited watching? I've got to be honest and say that it wasn't. It was more about it was more about the excitement of the league in general, you know, and obviously having seen how the leagues played out, the how close the leagues can be, you know, the the results of certain games and and watching certain games that didn't involve Philadelphia Union when when I was back in England. So it wasn't so much a case of that. What I've found is that over you know the year and a half that I've been here, you start to you start to look at teams and say, you know what, I really like watching this team, or there's individual players that I really like watching. I remember last year, NYCFC came to came to Philadelphia Union and Philadelphia Union beat them 1-0. And after the game, I said, they're the team to watch because they weren't New England, obviously. You know, they they walked away with, with the Eastern Conference last season. You know, they, they were different class. Obviously, they've been affected this season with the likes of Bookser, Buchanan and Turner, and Turner going. But last season, I'll never forget watching NYCFC, the front four. And I was like, if, if they really click, they're going to cause a lot of problems. And they were the best team that I saw last season. And, you know, it ended up, they made that late run, obviously, against against Philadelphia Union in the Eastern Conference final when COVID hit. Um, but, you know, they they then they then won MLS Cup. So, for me, they were an exciting team to watch. And you look at players like Carlos Heal, he's just an unbelievable talent. I think Lucinos, who's joined Red Bulls recently, another, you know, fantastic player, Acosta. Then you've got other players that are coming in, other players that are coming to the fore as well. So, there's just so there's so much to talk about. And when you're preparing for a game at the weekend, it's like you're always looking, okay, well, who's the star men? You know, who are the who are the players that can create something from nothing? So there's always an intrigue then, even in this second season of saying, right, okay, well, I remember how good he was last year. How's he going to go about it this year? So there's always something, and you pick things up along the way, you know, Nashville, for example, the way that they came into it. You know, as, as a new franchise, defensively so strong, now starting to add pieces to it to try and evolve. And their manager, Gary Smith, he's a great guy. Spoke to him on numerous occasions. And it's just great to see then from, from my personal perspective, new franchises, how they go about it. Charlotte, obviously, you know, they're, they're having a good go in their first season. Cincinnati didn't go so well for a long time. But, you know, former Philadelphia Union coach Pat Noonan's gone there and he's just completely... Trans, uh, transformed them. You've got Chris Albright there, uh, who's who's there as well. So there's there's just so much, so much intrigue within the league with different teams and everyone's got a different story to tell. Yeah, I think you're right there. And I think, um, I mean, it just shows the fact that different teams win it every single season. You know, like in the Premier League, for example, we see Manchester City win it every year and when we don't, Liverpool win it. Mm. And then that's it. It goes back to Manchester City, whereas MLS, as we know, is is totally different. Um, Philadelphia Union then they've been knocking on the door for MLS Cup do you think this is the year they could potentially get in there and and win it? I think they've got a really good opportunity 
I think one of the things, if anybody talks about Philadelphia Union, first and foremost, is the defensive unit, how strong they are defensively. You know, very, very rarely did it concede, you know, more than one goal. I think at home they haven't conceded more than one in regular season for, I think it's the last 25, 26 games. So, you know, it's an unbelievable record. But going forward, you know, I think in, in the off-season, um, obviously, Shabilko, he left, he went to Chicago, Montero went, he went to uh, San Jose. So I think all of a sudden then it was like, okay, well, what, what's going to happen to to replace these players? Gar's dog was obviously here last season. He's really come into his own. And then Michael Lua, he's come in, starting to hit the ground now. And then you've got also Carranza as well, who came, who came over from into Miami, who's now a permanent signing. And things are looking really good. And, you know, they scored a lot of goals recently. And there, there is a, there's a lot of confidence. And I think the biggest thing I would say about about Philadelphia Union is they've probably not hit top gear yet. You know, I think there's a lot more to come, and the 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 top of the East is going to be is going to be very interesting because there's there's such a closeness in terms of trying to trying to get first, try and get the support of Shield, but not only that, trying to get into the playoffs as well. Yeah, it's interesting that you talk about Carranza there because he's someone that I've really has uh, really impressed me because obviously into Miami it didn't just didn't quite click for him, did it? And now he's come over initially on loan and. He's clearly done enough to to earn that permanent transfer. Um, yeah, Philadelphia, as you said, have have been you know have not conceded many goals. I think are you seeing a bit of a change in the swing of of how MLS teams approach things now? The fact that in the past it's always been attack, attack, attack. You know, we get a DP and it's got to be a an attacker. It's got we we want to score goals. Yet you're looking at you mentioned Nashville there, who have who have been successful in their short time. Philadelphia. Keeping it mean at the back—is this a new sort of MLS that we're going to be seeing in the next few years? I think throughout throughout football, and you know, and you you would say the same um, about the Premier League, you know, which is a you know is is the best league in the world, you know, and it's it's a league that that I cover over here in America as well. Is that one of the things that people talk about? You know, attacking is is an art, and scoring goals is an art. People forget that defending is also an art as well, and I think the teams that you've just mentioned, the reason that they have success, whatever whatever success is to them, whether it's, you know, being a new franchise and stabilising yourself and then looking to get in the playoffs, whether you want to challenge for MLS Cup or for the Supporters' Shield, I think a lot of those teams are very strong defensively. And I don't think now in football, it's, it's given as much respect as attacking is. So therefore, if you can be defensively strong, and it gives you a better opportunity to win because everyone says that scoring goals is the hardest thing to do, which I agree it is. So then if you've got a strong defence, maybe you only have to score one goal to win a game. Whereas if you're just concentrating on the attack, you may concede three goals, so then you've got to score four goals to win a game. So it's different things, but you'll see certain teams that have more success away from home. So you look at Red Bulls, you know, they've been a team that have had an unbelievable start away from home this season because they're such a good counter-attacking team. And what you see as well is with success, you know, people respect you a lot more. So a lot of teams, a lot of teams are going to, you know, away stadiums. It's like, right, okay, well, if we can get a draw here, then we're going to be more than happy. Because I think pe what people have to take into consideration as well is that it, it's a lot harder to win away from home in MLS than it is in a lot of other, other leagues around the world because of the travel, because of the time difference, because of the difference in weather, you know, and from, from where your home game may may naturally be so therefore if you can get if you can get four wins away from home 
four or five wins away from home, you're in a really good place if you've got decent home form to be in the playoffs. So I think what's happening is a lot of teams are going now to, to opposition grounds and saying, right, okay, we know the onus is on you because we know how important home form is. So we're going to try and defend. We're going to try and be really solid, compact, and then we're going to look to counter-attack on you. And I think that that's something that's starting to develop. Unless you're an NYCFC, even a New England, you know, a lot of the times they will go to opposition grounds and look to dominate possession. But a lot of teams now are saying, okay, we'll sit back. We know the onus is on you, but then we're going to catch you on the counter-attack and get, and get forward really quickly, and then we'll have what we hold. Yeah, I think there speaks a, a, a defender at heart <laughs> with, with um, you know, praising, saying that defence is, it, it is an art, you're right. And um, yeah, I think sometimes in MLS in recent years, you know, we've been doing this podcast for three or four years now. I think sometimes the, the art of defending sometimes gets forgotten about. I guess it's more of an American sort of uh, way of looking at things is they want the, the glitz, the glamour, they want the entertainment and, as uh, as much as we love a last ditch tackle, uh, I guess uh, you know a four three game is more entertaining for the neutrals. Um, of course, you've gone over there to be a uh, you know to be a broadcaster, to be a color commentator. Um, you know, have you? What are the differences of what you've found between how uh, perhaps you would call a game in the UK to uh, America? I know you've touched on the the language and the way that they. We'll call different positions, different stuff. Have you learned anything? Have you seen something that we perhaps don't do over here in the UK? Not necessarily. I think it's the way that in, in England, you know, we all know that football is the be all and end all. It is the number one sport by a huge margin. So a lot of the times when when you're broadcasting in England, it's it's not going to be first time viewers. It's not going to be first time listeners. It's not going to be people that necessarily might not be their first sport or their preferred sport. So over here, there's an excitement because you know that when you're doing a broadcast, because football's growing all the time over here, you're probably going to have first-time viewers. You're probably going to have first-time listeners. So there's there's an excitement there to say, okay, well, can I, can I be part of the progression, which is bringing new people into, into the sport? Because we all know over here, you know, you talk about NFL, you talk about, and um, you talk about basketball, you talk about baseball, you know, you talk about ice hockey. But I think what, what's starting to happen now is that football's starting to get involved with those sports as well as in terms of climbing. Don't get me wrong, we know where NFL and the basketball and, and baseball are. So it's really important that, that when you're doing a broadcast over here, the way I try to imagine it, so when I, when I first moved over, last last season so the last nfl season if you're going to fall in love with another sport the the last um, playoffs were just incredible anything that could happen did happen now i moved over to america and i wanted to get into nfl i didn't know too much about it so i wanted to be taught things whilst i was watching the games whether it be from the analyst whether it be from the commentator so my idea was that and by the way, the NFL, the way they broadcasted, the, the same with the baseball in particular, they're the two main sports that I watch. I learned so much from listening to the commentary, listening to the analysis and what have you. And that was brilliant for me because what they were doing, they, they were saying things I had no idea about. And the only reason I got to learn those things was because they were telling me and they were simplifying things. So from my side of things, when I came 
over here to do the broadcasting. It was more of a case of, yes, you know what? There's going to be a high percentage of people that are watching the game that do know all about the sport, but there's going to be new people coming into it that it might not be their first sport. It might be one of the first times that they've watched football because obviously it's a growing sport. So what I tried to do, I tried to be that NFL analyst that was teaching me so much when I was watching a game from home. I tried to reverse that and pretend, okay, well, imagine it's it's me, NFL style, where I don't really know that much about it, but I want to get to know it. So that's what I tried to bring into the broadcasting side of things when I came over here, because there are a lot of new listeners and new viewers that, that want to enjoy it. And you don't want to, you don't want to overcomplicate things. I think that's the most important thing because there's sometimes like if, if I watch my first NFL show and all of a sudden they're talking well above my head, I'd be like, yeah, I like what I see, but I'm not understanding it because people aren't simplifying it for me. So that's, that was a big thing for me coming into the broadcasting over here. Um, but, but other than that, it's, it's just been, it's been an absolute pleasure. The, the ability that you have to, to speak to other clubs, managers, um, the openness of them is just really good. Even the fact that you get to interview the managers at half time, and then when they're coming on the pitch at the second half, it's, it's absolutely brilliant. And you come at, at, you can ask them anything within reason. And they're going to give you a straight answer, even the tactical side of things. So that's been that's been great as well. Yeah, that blows my mind as well. Were you, as a former player, was you a bit, um, you know, when you first had to do that, was you a bit apprehensive of going? Yes. Hang on, I know how this. I know how this manager is going to be feeling yeah. right now. I'm not going to ask him anything to annoy him anymore. It, for me, the biggest thing was when I was first getting into. I was like, make my question really short because he wants to get into the dressing room. That was the first thing that came into mind because you. Things like that you never, never really see in England. But this is something the managers have been doing for years, you know. So it wasn't all of a sudden I'm coming in and I'm like, oh wow, I wonder how they feel about this. They embrace it, and if you ask them a question, even like they will break things down for you tactically. If you ask them a question, if you say, you know, what do you think? What do you think went wrong in the first half, or what do you think went really well? How do you address at half time? And they'll tell you, and that that's. That's brilliant. That for me is absolute gold dust. And, and it's great to hear that, that openness and then you can get an understanding, but not just that, you know, people from home can, can hear from us all the time when we're giving our analysis and doing the commentary. But when you're hearing certain things from the manager of a team, then it's like, okay, well, I'm going to look out for this in the second half. So it's things like that. have just been, it's just, it's just been brilliant. And I love the atmosphere at MLS stadiums as well. You know, there's so it's it's entertainment. It's like family, so all the family go. You know, they'll be tailgating before the games, and it's just there's just a real feel about it. You know, and that's that's all the stadiums that you go to. It's it's sort of a party atmosphere, and I think there's an understanding that whichever way you want to look at it, it's it is entertainment, and us as broadcasters as well. Yes, there's times when you've got to give criticism, but you've got to make sure that it's constructive. I think that's one of the big the the biggest things because nobody's going out of the way to make a mistake on purpose. You know, I, I, I made more mistakes than the most when I was playing. And, you know, when I look back, I was like, wow, why did I do that? Sometimes you make mistakes. Sometimes it's like, you know what, this is why I made this mistake. So I think it's, we have to always remember that any, any, 
any type of sport, you know, if you're if you're a spectator going to the game, it's it, it is a sense of entertainment as well, where you want to enjoy it as well. So I think it, it's it's the whole bigger picture. And when you're getting managers speaking at half time, when you're getting managers speaking at the end of the game, everything that's involved around the game, pre-match, post-match, it's it's brilliant. And then you wrap it all together, and it's great. I'm Alex Rodriguez, and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is the deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Elliot Holman, Henry Hewitt. MLS UK show. So there we are. There's my uh, part one of my chat with Danny Higginbottom. Uh, I told you he was knowledgeable. So I love it. And it was the same when I did the chats with Ian Joy and Liam Ridwell. It's so lovely to just just chat to these people who just know so much stuff. Like, I feel like it could just go on forever. Luckily, there is a second part. Yes, uh, that'll be next week. But before that, we need to speak to Chris Smith. Now, uh, as I said before, he's part of 90 Min Soccer. Very knowledgeable about MLS. If you're on Twitter, you will know who he is. Um, And we sat down with him. Well, it was on Zoom, but we sat down with him to talk about his recent trip to Charlotte when he watched them against LA Galaxy and other matters in MLS as well. So here's my chat with Chris. The MLS UK Show. So joining us now on the MLS UK Show is a man who is uh, fast becoming the Fabrizio Romano of MLS. Uh, Well, the UK version anyway. Welcome to the show, Chris Smith. How are you doing, Chris? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. All the better for that introduction as well. Too kind. Well, you're you're becoming quite pally with him, aren't you, on Twitter? Get in there, yeah. We seem to cross cross paths now and again. He seems to be quite nice to me as well, so not a bad guy to have on your side. It's not, no, um, you know, and, and I'm sure his uh, little black book of contacts is, uh, well, the size of like the Magna Carta. So uh, if you can have him in yours and it's well worth it. Um, exactly. Welcome to the show, Chris. Of course, the second time you've been on, you uh, first joined us just before uh, heading out to Charlotte to watch Charlotte v LA Galaxy, uh, their inaugural home game. Um, now we've seen recently the reason why you went out there to create a video that has gone on 90 Min Football's YouTube channel called The Making of Charlotte FC. Um, Tell us about your input on that and just tell us about the whole experience as a whole. Yeah, I mean, it was the trip of a lifetime. Um, I can't put it any other way. Uh, Covering MLS for so long from the UK and staying up for all those late nights as you know the pain only too well. And to finally actually be there and see it all in the flesh and and see this, this new club building up to this momentous occasion was something I'll never forget and incredibly privileged to go and do it. But um, yeah, it all just started out really with a few innocent conversations between myself and a few friends I've got over there at the club and just the possibility of maybe we could get Chris out to cover the game and 
or maybe we could just get Chris to come out and experience it and and say some nice things about the club and whatever. And really, from there, it just more and more people got involved. The idea started to take a much bigger shape and become something so much bigger. And it's took its time, but we finally got got the video out there now, and it. I think it's something we can all be proud of. And, you know, from what started as something really small and innocent, it's it's turned into something that's that's pretty impressive in, in my view anyway. Tell us about the the going over there then and getting that sort of behind the scenes access to an MLS club, which I mean, I know they were a very new MLS club at the time, but still it is, you know, a, a club in MLS, this league that we love and you're getting to see the ins and outs of what goes on. Yeah, I think the fact that it was a new club made it even better, to be honest, because obviously expansions are very uniquely North American thing, really. You don't see it in very many other places in the world. When we got there, they'd already played a game, but they were still very much building the team. A lot of players hadn't arrived yet and they were still getting to know each other. And even the supporters, like they hadn't had a home game yet, so they were still preparing to, to sort of do all the, the TIFO and the match, the stadium and all that kind of thing. So I think that made it even more special just to see how something is built from the ground up and and how all the different moving pieces come together. And even speaking, to, for example, to Zoran Cronetta, who is the sporting director, um, about building the team, you, we saw from, from his office, like he's got two phones on the desk, he's got a whiteboard with all sorts of different targets, people are in and out constantly and, even when that team was in air quotes built, it wasn't finished, and it, and it never is. So that that was quite an amazing thing to to really see up close and personal. And I mean, one story I like to tell is I didn't get any sleep on the flight out there. Um, I'm just not a good fly. I'm a good flyer, but I can't sleep on a plane. Um, and it must have been about 36 hours, I think, since I slept. And then I landed got to my hotel and within about half an hour of being in the country, I was in an Uber on the way down to the stadium to watch the practice march to the stadium and and the fans figuring out how this is all going to go down at the weekend. And all of a sudden, within an hour of being in this new country, I'm in the middle of this giant 75,000-seater stadium just looking around me, completely dazed, and all these fans are just going for it. And there's no one on the pitch yet. So that was something I'd never experienced before. And it's a whole new way to watch the game and one that I want to experience again and again and again. It was quite intoxicating. So tell us about the fans then. Um, we've seen them on, you know, on TV since the LA Galaxy game, you know, behind that goal to the right of the camera. It looks like it's one hell of an atmosphere. Um, how was your experience with them? And uh, for us UK fans that haven't had a chance to go out and see a Charlotte match yet, tell us about the experience during match day. Yeah, I mean, the, the people in Charlotte were absolutely incredible to us. Um, Right from the word go, they couldn't have done more to help us. To They just wanted to tell us how great their city is and how great their club is and how passionate they are to finally have soccer in the city, finally, and, and in North Carolina. Um, during the game, I was right in front of that supporters section. And, and trust me, after not being to 20 live games during COVID and, and being away for so long, I forgot how loud it was. And then being at the bottom of a bowl full of 74,000 people, it really... It really did make me remember just how much I missed it. Um, yeah, the, the fans, they, they come from all sorts of backgrounds, though. Um, not just in North Carolina, but in South Carolina and from, from everywhere across the United States and from South America. Um, you're, I even bumped into a couple of English fans over there. And they're all just pulling in the same direction. It's, it's a city full of 
transplants who have now got something that they can grasp onto. Um, in terms of the match going experience, I mean, there's obvious differences like tailgating. Um, as I mentioned before, march to the stadium, raising the TIFO, it's not things we often see in England. Um, all I can say, maybe I've got a bit of recency bias, but I think it's a more fun way to watch the game. It made an event of it and, you know, walking around this parking lot with beer being handed out to your left, right and centre is much better than just head down, walking into the stadium and shouting at your team for 90 minutes and then walking back home again. Yeah, uh, the fans, even in the video, what they come across, like the just the incredible atmosphere, incredible fan base, you know, the woman who sadly lost a partner, but then in his memory was saying, right, well, I'm gonna, we were going to go to the matches, so I'm going to go now as well. I think they were Tottenham fans, I think. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So, yeah, it just seemed like it's, uh, like you said, all these people that were maybe looking for this and they've come together and, uh, yeah, it just looks fantastic. Um, so, on the pitch then, since then, uh, of course, they lost to DC. We then lost to LA Galaxy in that match. How do you rate Charlotte's season so far? I, I think it's been solid. Um, I think one of the big things around Charlotte FC was at the start of the season, Miguel Angel Ramirez was very much giving off the vibe that they weren't able to compete for the playoffs and they were going to struggle. But the message I got from inside the club when I was over there was, no, no, like we really want to compete. And since then, I've spoken to people at the club and, and they were saying, this is what we expected. We expected to be around the edge of the playoff race, looking to sneak in, um, all dependent on maybe securing a couple of top targets or getting a little bit of luck here and there, what you need. Um, and I think they, they've fulfilled that. Uh, the first couple of games, yeah, they, they lost. But I think everyone who watched the games could say that there was an identity there from the start. They were playing nice football. Um, it just it just lacked a bit of cutting edge, which comes with time playing together and and getting players like Carol Swiderski up to speed. So there's still holes in the roster that I think need patching up. I think they need a, a number ten who can really create and and get on the ball, sort of like Alejandro Pozuelo, for example, someone who's going to provide a lot of a lot of chances. But on the whole, for an expansion team to be basically on the edge of the playoff race, a couple of wins away from really flying up the Eastern Conference. I don't think they can be too disappointed. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, their home farm has been incredible so far this season. Of course, the away farm, you know, is is needs to pick up. I think mean, is that what separate what at the moment takes them um, just under that line? Is it the away farm? Do we need to take the home farm on the road? Yeah, absolutely. I think. I think. I mean, I've not looked at the. The stats recently, but I know at home the the top two or three in the east, and um, they were last time I checked anyway. But away from home, obviously they struggled. But how many MLS teams really realistically do that well away from home? I think if you can win a third of your games away in MLS, you're probably going to be in the playoffs. Um, and that that's how how fine the margins are because of the travel distances and the, the crazy schedules, and you know one. One weekend you can be at home, and the next weekend you're travelling across to the to the Western Conference, and sometimes it's not even seven days apart. So it's a tiring schedule, and it's very testing. Um, that's absolutely the reason they're not in the playoffs. But again, I don't think anyone can really hold a new team to account for a poor away record. I think that'll come in time. Yeah, exactly. Um, so just touching on uh, Miguel Ango Ramirez, then um, of course he was. Uh, relieved of his duties a few months ago now. Were you surprised by that or could you get a little inkling that maybe things weren't 100%? Um, initially, when it was announced, I was very surprised. Um, 
and it was before we brought the documentary out so I was, uh, I was quite devastated as well um because we, we spent a lot of time with Miguel while we was over there but the more I spoke to people within the club not to say that Miguel was a bad influence around the club it just felt like they were pulling in different directions you know I spoke to people on both sides and they both tried to make it as amicable as possible and it, I think it was just a difference of opinions about how they wanted to take the club forward and I think some of the players were a little bit split on those differences as well some of them really backed Miguel and joined because of Miguel and and others were there for the for the larger project of being in Charlotte and and in this expansion team so when you've got two two major parties going head to head like that it's always going to be difficult and I mean, I, I brought an article out on the subject and tried to tell that story of, you know, this isn't Miguel being a bad person. This isn't the club just firing someone for no reason. There are internal reasons behind this and it's better to get it done now rather than let it fester for a season and, and basically waste your first year in the league. Uh, there's still an interim manager in charge. Do you have any idea or, or what direction you want to go in full time for head coach? Honestly, I've asked the question quite a few times and I think they're quite happy just letting Christian Latanzio just, just run it for now and, He's not done anything wrong just yet. You know, obviously the defeat against Toronto recently was quite damaging. But then again, who else? Like, there's Insigne and Bernadeschi. So what else did you expect? It was their debut in front of the BMO, BMO field crowd. It was always going to happen. And I think Toronto will do that to a few more teams before the season's out. So, yeah, Christian's not really done anything wrong. He's, he's steadied the ship nicely in a challenging situation. And they're looking to make more signings still this summer. So, Right now, I think, I think the, the main focus is the people who are within the club and the players that they're going to bring in, just getting over that playoff line and, and making that statement in year one and reviewing it at the end of the season. So let's talk about MLS on the whole then. Uh, you mentioned there Toronto with Insigne and Bernadeschi. Um, I mean, we're only going off one game as we speak at the moment, but um, is that has that impressed you? Is that a sign that Toronto could mean business not only next season, but perhaps the rest of this season as well? Yeah, definitely. I mean, obviously we had the Canadian Championship final as well, which they they lost on penalties, but Bernadeschi and Insigne did put in very good individual performances again. And I think the, the thing that impressed me most about the, the Charlotte game was how much the pair of them brought out of everybody else. Not, I mean, their individual skill and their individual play was, was eye-catching, obviously, but Michael Bradley seemed to raise his, his level again. Mark Anthony Kay looked like a rejuvenated player. Uh, Dominico, I can't even say it, Crescito uh, at left back. He, he was, again, rolling, but he's 35 years old and he's bombing down the left wing and putting balls into dangerous areas. He looked he looked 10 years younger than he was. So, yeah, I think it's what he brought out of, what they brought out of everybody else that impressed me the most. And because there's talent in that roster without those two, I think it just needed a couple of key players just to really inspire more performances and, and let them know just how good they can be. So they're, they're far off the playoff race now, but I would not bet against them getting in now. Um, how do you rate the league this season then? Like you said before, we spoke at the start of the season. We're now uh, past the midway point. Have you enjoyed it? Do you think, uh, as it was, it lived up to your expectations? Yeah, I've, I think the quality's gone up a lot. I don't know whether it's because I've missed a few of the later games, but I feel like we've not quite had as many crazy MLS moments as we usually do. Maybe I'm wrong on that, but I feel like the general quality has, has really risen. Um, and you're seeing it with the amount of interest in players. You know, Tati Castellanos has now gone to, to La Liga, which is an incredible move for him. And 
a real advert for MLS that you know these players that are good enough to play at that level and and you can take a chance and get a top quality player for a, quite a low fee compared to the rest of the market. So yeah, we're seeing a lot of different signings as well. We'll I'll go back again to Bernadeschi and, and Insignia. They're not the 35, 36 year olds that you know people would generally associate with being signed to MLS clubs. They're, they're still in the prime. So that's obviously going to raise the quality. We're seeing a lot, of, a lot more young players again being blooded into the league. And yeah, while while the unpredictability factor I think has gone down a little bit, I think the quality has definitely gone up. Yeah, I think in recent years we've always had the sort of Insignias and Bale coming into the league. It's just now the fact that there's younger players going out of the league. Is uh, looking to the future, and especially before the World Cup in 2026, is that what MLS has perhaps been missing? That sort of uh, the the better younger players going for quite a lot of money out of the league will that help them players coming into the league a different type of player? Yeah, definitely. I mean, they're only going to get one shot at this now. Like twenty twenty six is huge, and it's it's so important that MLS gets it right and capitalizes on it. I think the more that you can prove that you're a league where you can develop players both through your academy or players coming from South America doing two good years in MLS and then getting that European move. The more you can prove that, the more you're going to attract those players. And ultimately as well, there'll be players in Europe that maybe aren't getting a game for a Premier League club, for example, that I think maybe go over to MLS for two years, score some goals or keep some clean sheets, depending on where you play. And, you know, play Premier League teams, La Liga teams, Serie A teams, they are coming in for these players. So it can be a place where European players can bounce back. So... As 2026 draws around, the, the buzz for the sport is only going to grow. And as I say, they've only got one chance to get this right. And so far, Touchwood, I think they're doing a good job of proving that this isn't just a gimmick league. It's it's a place where there is genuine quality. Yeah, I mean, we've been doing this podcast now for five or six years, I think, or four or five. I can't remember. It's, time flies uh, when you're having fun. Um, but uh, yeah, even in that time, we've kind of seen that, um, you know, the league has progressed. It has changed and the mindset has changed. And I feel that there is a bit more respect coming into the league. Um, unfortunately for you, Matt, now leads me on to uh, a few friendlies that have happened recently. And as an Everton fan, I am having to bring up Minnesota beating Everton 4-0. Um, as disappointing as that was for Everton, is does that show that MLS is getting slightly closer to these big leagues or do you not see it that way? I think it's a bit of both. Um I wouldn't read 100% into it and say that Minnesota United are a Premier League team because um, I don't. I think we're all questioning whether Everton are a Premier League team as well. Let's let's keep that in mind. But you know, Orlando City competed quite well with with Arsenal. Charlotte got the draw against Chelsea. You know, there, there was some really eye catching results in, from the MLS teams against these European giants. So we're going to completely ignore into Miami's thrashing against Barcelona. But um, yeah, I think it's I think it's a sign that. The league's growing. It's able to compete. You know, the first half an hour of that Minnesota United game, Emmanuel Reynoso really, really caused Everton problems, for example. And in in the Chelsea-Charlotte game, uh, Jordi Reyna, a player you wouldn't expect to stand out against the Premier League team, he really stood out for me. Um, and he's he's improved a lot in the last few weeks for Charlotte. So, yeah, you know, in the past, you, you're very much used to seeing Chelsea going on these pre-season tours whacking an MLS team 4-0, going home, no one batters an eyelid, but they're getting a good game now. And it's only, as you say, it's only a sign that these better players are coming to MLS from South America, from Europe, coming through the academy and, and they're raising the level. And 
I think something good to point out as well is how well the MLS Next teams have done recently against the, the Premier League academies that come over. You know, RSL gave Chelsea Chelsea a really good game, and I think the Philadelphia Union did the same as well. So, you know, again, pointing back to that youth, it's getting better, it's getting competitive, and you're going to see a lot of MLS youth teams now winning big competitions at that level. Chris, thanks so much for joining us on the podcast. Uh, we love having you on, so I'm sure we'll get you on again before the end of the season. So thank you very so much. And uh, yeah, if you've not seen his, uh, the video uh, on 90 Min Football, we'll put it in the description, but check it out. Search for The Making of Charlotte FC. You'll find it. If you've got 15 minutes, it's only 15 minutes long. Watch it and it gives you a brilliant insight into uh, behind the scenes of an MLS expansion team. The MLS UK Show. So there we go. That was my chat with Chris Smith. Um, another man. We've had so many... Brits, this is doing uh, our reputation so well because, you know, I, I know a lot of people think, oh, people in the UK like to badmouth. I mean, we've seen it on TikTok, our comments, badmouth MLS. So it's nice to have two guys on who are very knowledgeable, very passionate uh, about MLS, as well as ourselves. It's not going to stop the TikTok abuse, though, is it? No, it's not. And I'm looking forward to seeing this part two of Danny Higginbottom. This is a guy who was speaking so passionately uh, and so knowledgeable about MLS. Um, so we've got a second part. Yes. Yeah, so uh, part two is uh, more about his career, really, and it can link some stuff with his career. Uh, he played in Belgium on loan. So I asked him about, well, how will the players that are coming from MLS to Europe, to leagues like Belgium, Austria, where they're not quite knowledgeable on, how do you adjust? And he tells an amazing story as well about his time uh, at Manchester United uh, with Sir Alex Ferguson and uh, seeing him bumping into him on a train recently as well. So uh, stay tuned for that. That is mainly about his career, not as much about MLS, but I mean, the, he's, the guy played hundreds of games in the Premier League. You know, you while you have a chance to chat to him, you should really uh, chat to him about his, you know, his career is fantastic. But that's to come next week. Uh, don't forget, if you haven't subscribed to us on YouTube, make sure you do. Click the notification bell as well, and you'll know first time when that is released. And also, if you listen on your podcast provider, you can uh, subscribe on there, follow us, leave a rating. And Elliot? Leave the comments in the comments section. Yes, that's on YouTube, not a podcast provider. But hey, we'll let that slip. He's on holiday. He's a hologram. The hologram has malfunctioned. I'm not here. Um, but one thing we did program the hologram to say is, hey, Elliot, if you leave us a rating on your podcast provider, there's one rule and one rule only. LA Galaxy style, five stars only. Yeah, glad we paid for that. Um, right, part two is coming up next week. Thanks very much for watching. Elliot, before I say the famous last word, what have you got to say? I'm not really here. See ya. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.